You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I am here. Aaron's here. Tom will be calling in from vacation again. This show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them that we told you to call. The Democratic debates were a snore. The Fed cut interest rates, Aaron. And your baseball smell test failed miserably. Cost me money yesterday. I played the Colorado Rockies against the Dodgers hey, and Ryu was by tied the way, going into the ninth inning. It was minus one thirty six with my particular site oh. um at first pitch. Um anyway, uh I don't care. Uh <laughs> I just I thought you were right. With the way you explained it yesterday made a lot of sense. I, I still think I was right, just the wrong result. By by the way, one of these days, seriously, if it's really slow, nothing but politics, market talk, and you know, we'll do a deep dive each day into like one play of the day. You know, one gambling play of the day. Deep dive. Actually, that's I'm sorry about that. That sounded more like Governor Ted uh, talking um, corporate speak. Uh, that's not really what I meant to say. We'll, we'll go deep into a, an actual wager. One wager per day um, at some point if it's really slow. I, I don't bet baseball. I know you do. I don't bet baseball. I don't bet it that but much. But you talked me into it yeah. yesterday. Um, Trent Williams information coming up. I've got information on Trent Williams, and it's coming up here in three minutes. Um, did the Nats get better yesterday with the acquisition of three relievers? Uh, Aaron and I and Tom will discuss later on in the show. I can tell you this. The loss yesterday to the Braves was a tough one to swallow. I thought that Nats third base coach Bob Henley made a massive mistake sending Howie Kendrick home in the sixth off the Trey Turner double to deep center. Nobody was out at that point. They would have had runners at second and third with Eaton and Rendon coming up. I thought that was a bad mistake and a costly mistake in what turned out to be a painful loss to Atlanta. Um, Davey Martinez uh, really brushed it off, I thought, in the post game because I sat around to, to listen to it. Um, it was not a good decision. It was a terrible decision to send Kendrick uh, on that Trey Turner double. I mean, it's a 4-1 game. You gotta you gotta keep your base runners with nobody out and, and Eaton and and Rendon coming up. I thought that was a horrible uh, you know in-game mistake by them that cost them. They did come back and tie the game in the ninth. They had a really good shot to win it in the ninth. Soto's on third. Dozier's at the plate. Got the count to 3-0 and and then struck out on three straight pitches. Um, so they went to extras. Doolittle gives up the home run in the 10th. And then Rendon had a chance to be the hero with two on and two outs in the bottom of the 10th. But he lined out to end the game. So the Braves increased their lead to six and a half games after taking two of three in D.C. You know, with all of the trade deadline activity and the Braves were able to get Shane Green from Detroit, um, that game was still very important. You know, it's a middle of the the day, midweek game that's super important, but all of the... You know, all of the baseball discussion is around the trade deadline. In the meantime, the Nats are trying to take a series from the Braves that would get them to within four and a half games, and instead they dropped that game yesterday, lose two of three to Atlanta. Now they're six and a half games out, and they head west now for six games, and then their total road trip, which includes a three-game series at the end of it in New York against the Mets. So they've got nine games on the road uh, starting tomorrow night. 
uh, in Arizona. Um, so I don't know how much better they got. They clearly will be taking a new bullpen with them uh, out west. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. It was just a bad loss for them, I thought, yesterday. Um, football's on television tonight. Denver and Atlanta in the Hall of Fame game. And part of this Hall of Fame weekend includes one of my favorite players of all time going into the Hall of Fame this weekend, Ed Reed. Um, Champ Bailey's also going into the Hall of Fame. But I think Ed Reed is among the two or three greatest safeties that I have ever watched um, in all of my years of watching the NFL. Kenny Houston, a Redskin, uh, is on that list. Kenny Easley is one of my all-time favorite players, period, at any position. Um, the great Seattle Seahawks safety, Ronnie Lott, Palomalu. I never saw Emlyn Tunnell. I know that a lot of people have him ranked number one on their all-time safety list. Ed Reed's right there in the conversation for the greatest safety in the history of the game. It does not seem to me that he's been out of the NFL for five years. Does it to you? It really flew yeah. by um, the time since he retired and his Hall of Fame eligibility. All right, let's get to Trent Williams. Um, things got very busy after we left here yesterday. There was a trade report that came out. Uh, D'Angelo Hall sounded off on the situation on NFL Network. Jerry Brewer wrote a column this morning that's got a lot of really interesting information in it. Um, but I, this was going to be one of those days, Aaron, we've had, I don't know, three or four of them since we launched the podcast where I thought I would be coming in with some, not necessarily breaking news, but some new information on the subject. Um, I, it's, I've spent, you know, I've, I've had three very interesting conversations with what I will call sources, um, some of whom are close to Trent and some of whom are close to the Redskins' perspective on this. And I was going to come in this morning and spill it all out. And a lot of people have been reporting on this. And some of the information I have has already been put out there. So good on you know Jerry Brewer and Paul Connor has had some information on this and others too, uh, including what D'Angelo Hall said. But let me tell you what I have learned over really about the last 15 hours about this situation, talking to multiple people familiar with the Trent Williams side of this and the Redskins side of this. Um, first of all, I'll just start with the headline. Um, a big part, the major part of what Trent Williams is upset about is in fact the medical more than the money. Um, the medical issue with his scalp surgery. So here's what I've learned specifically from multiple sources. He had this growth on his head for a while. The team had suggested going back at least two years, maybe longer, for it to be looked at, even though they didn't think it was serious. They thought it was, according to all of my sources, a cyst, nothing serious, and that's what was communicated to Trent about this growth on his head. With that said, they did suggest to him, going back at least two years, maybe even a tad longer, that he take a look at it, that they take a look at it, and look at it a little bit more closely, perhaps even removing it. But for whatever reason, because it was communicated as something that he shouldn't be concerned about, they never got around to doing it, or he didn't get around to, to doing it, um, until after this season. And when it was looked at, the doctors that looked at it scared him with the news that it was a tumor and it could be malignant. That's scary news. He has young kids. He's just 31 years old. For anybody in that situation, that would have been terrifying. 
at least one person, and all of them were on the condition of anonymity, but he said that Trent's uh, perspective, uh, from Trent's perspective, he essentially was told or it was implied to him that he get his affairs in order, as in this is very serious. You know, as we know now, uh, but he didn't know then, the tumor was benign and he's going to be okay other than a scar that he's got on his head. But he was very upset that this was, for at least two years, communicated to him as a non-serious cyst. And while the team, according to two people I talked to, did ask him to get it looked at for a few years, they didn't push it. And he played assuming that it wasn't anything serious. So he blames the team's trainers and medical people for not insisting earlier that this be looked at sooner. And he believes that even though it was and it turned out to be benign, he believes that there was some danger and perhaps doctors told him that there was some danger in leaving it there and that it would have been better had they removed it earlier, that there was some risk in not removing it earlier. So he doesn't trust the team's trainers He doesn't trust the team's medical people. You know, they're separate trainers and medical people. They're doctors and then they're trainers. Um, It's it's part of that group or or all of it. He doesn't trust anymore. And this, more than anything else, is the reason for this holdout. Now, I want to make one thing clear. The people I talk to who are familiar with the Redskins medical and training staff say they don't think the Redskins have a problem with their training and medical staff. In fact, I think the Redskins training staff won some sort of an award in the offseason for being a very good training uh, staff. But that doesn't mean that Trent Williams isn't justified in the way he feels, and that was made very clear as well. Even though they didn't think the Redskins had a problem in this particular area, they also understood the scare and the lack of urgency, um, perhaps on both sides, that led to this you know, very scary situation for, you know, a short period of time. So there it is. I mean, more medical than money. Um, By the way, he does want out. He wants to be out of here. He wants to get traded, you know, and I, it would not surprise me, by the way, and this is me projecting here, but it wouldn't surprise me, you know, and I've said this all along that at 31 years old, some of the big contracts that were signed in the offseason – Uh, He's probably got one more big deal in him that he isn't sort of using this to a certain degree to try to get the new deal right now. That there is some leverage here that he feels he has, and he's genuinely emotionally upset about it, that he can work that into a new deal as well. But I think he would prefer the new deal to be in a new place. So there it is. Now, could this get solved by the Redskins throwing money at him? I guess. I wouldn't suggest that. That's not what I would want for this team to do. I don't think it makes sense for this team to give him a massive contract extension. I don't. Um, I like Trent Williams. I think Trent Williams is an elite left tackle. Um, I also think that at some point soon, he won't be the Trent Williams, you know, when Trent is healthy, you know, very healthy and playing that it won't be the same player anymore at 32, 33, 34, 35 years old. And I think this is a team that's not anywhere near close to contending. I would be looking to the future, and I would be looking to try to extract as much as I could for players that have a ton of value, and he has a ton of value. Now, we'll get to the trade reports 
uh, here in a moment. But others have weighed in on this as well and done a very good job um, with it. D'Angelo Hall's comments, I think, were the most, you know, uh, or the closest to Trent that we had gotten during this particular situation. This was D'Angelo Hall on the NFL Network, I think with um, uh, Andrew Siciliano and Ian Rappaport uh, yesterday. Here's what D'Angelo Hall said about the situation. Um, And, you know, he's in a good place uh, mentally, and, you know, he's prepared to, to, to... to figure this thing out. Is it a contract thing? It needs to be. It's not a contract thing, and that's what I asked him. You know, I'm, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this. Hey, Trent, what's the end game? And it, it's, it's not about money. Will money help ease things a little bit? Maybe so. But this is not strictly a financial situation that we're, we're, we're discussing, and that's exactly what you're saying, Mike, that makes it so different and unorthodox and something we've never seen. We've never had a player say, hey, get that training staff out of here or I'm not coming back. Let me ask you. That was pretty telling. Get that training staff out or I'm not coming back. Um, after talking to Trent Williams directly, that's what D'Angelo Hall said. Um, and we, you know, that that's the closest to Trent Williams speaking that we've gotten in this whole thing. Uh, so that's telling as well. And that would certainly dovetail off of the information that I've learned as well and others have learned. Um, about the actual medical situation that that he was really upset with the communication and the lack of urgency um, with this cyst that he had had on his head for a few years. Um, Jerry Brewer wrote about this uh, this morning, um, had a, a long column this morning that shed even more light on the situation. Um, Jerry also spoke about the medical and 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 what Williams believes uh, was a misdiagnosis. And, and the misdiagnosis from based on what I've learned would be they communicated to him it was a cyst and wasn't serious. Um, and as it turned out, at least for a brief moment, it was very serious and it wasn't just a cyst. Fortunately, and we're all happy about this, um, it wasn't malignant. It was benign. Um, but Jerry goes into a much more nuanced story um, and, and, and background on this and says that the relationship that Trent Williams has with the Redskins has been deteriorating even before this medical situation came about. Um, Jerry writes that the fracturing of the relationship began about 15 months ago with what seemed like, Jerry writes, the most innocuous decision. Decision. He goes, on on April 27th, 2018, the Redskins used a third-round pick to draft tackle Jerron Christian. Christian has turned out to be a raw prospect, one probably drafted too high, but this is where Williams started to stray mentally, Jerry writes. Jerry writes that the move didn't anger him, but he was perplexed. He wondered why his team, with an urgent need for help at left guard, would draft another tackle when he and Morgan Moses were entrenched starters. Then he considered that Moses had just received a huge payday, and Pro Bowl guard Brandon Sheriff was about due for a lucrative extension as well. Um, Williams, at the time, an eight-figure employee who had just turned 30 years old, thought about his mortality and disposability for the first time. Did the drafting of Christian mean the Redskins were initiating the search for his successor? 
Um, Also, Jerry writes that Williams at the time was in the middle of a seven-month recovery from right knee surgery that ended up being more complicated than than he had anticipated. Remember, Williams had played uh, during the 2017 season on a patellar tendon issue, with a uh, patellar tendon issue, knowing that he was going to need surgery, but he played anyway, and he didn't have that procedure until the Redskins were eliminated from playoff contention in 2017. So that was sort of the seeds of distrust, if you will. Now, my reaction to Trent Williams, if indeed he was upset by the drafting of Jerron Christian, is get over yourself. I mean, are you kidding me? The Redskins were decimated with offensive line injuries in 2017. They needed guards, centers, and tackles. All of them. They needed depth. And they did need a tackle for the future in the event that this contract that Trent Williams is playing on is the last one. Remember, Trent Williams is not a guarantee to play 16 games every year. We know that. And when he does play uh, you know, 14 games, three of them are played hampered. You know, Trent Williams is a great player, an elite left tackle when healthy. I don't think anybody would debate that. Is he is he the best left tackle in the game? That's debatable. Sometimes I think we as fans have overrated how great he is. I do think he's put together a borderline Hall of Fame career. I would say that about Trent Williams. Um but I don't know that he's there yet. You know, Trent Williams has been suspended twice, and yet the team still gave him a huge, massive contract extension back in 2015, that that offseason. Remember, Trent Williams wasn't there for them in that playoff push in 2015, suspended for four games down the stretch. The team has been pretty loyal to Trent Williams without necessarily total, total cause for being completely loyal. Trent Green has uh, Trent Green. Trent Williams played 13 out of 16 games last year, 10 out of 16 in 2017, 12 out of 16 in 2016, 14 games in 2015. All right, 14. Uh, by the way, the 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 other um, that other suspension was 2016. My fault. Uh, when when he was gone for the the final four games, um, the last time he played all 16 games was 2013. I would not give him a new contract. I feel awful about what he went through. That had to be a terrifying situation. And as it was being explained to me in more detail, I do understand and can understand why he may be upset that this wasn't treated with more urgency. Um, I do get that. Um, But the Redskins can't succumb in this situation and give him a new deal. And I also believe the following. In this this may, for some of you that are would totally back Trent and totally scoff and and blame the organization for all of this, I I would say this from the organization standpoint, based on some of the things that were told to me, perhaps they should have treated this more seriously and communicated it more seriously. Um, but they did communicate to him that he should probably have it looked at for a couple of years. I also think that if the Redskins are confident in their medical team and their training staff, they should come out and say that, and they should give all of the detail from their perspective on this Trent Williams situation. Because if 
This situation is now giving the organization a huge black eye, giving the medical and training uh, staffs for the organization, um, really submarining their reputation, really, really trashing their reputation. The, The stories out there are about how the Redskins F this up with Trent Williams somehow. Um, if they don't feel that that's fair, or if they feel this was a total aberration and a one-off, and even they are sorry to a certain extent for not treating it with more urgency, they should say so. But they should also defend their medical doctors and their training staff. They should also trade Trent Williams. They should trade him. He doesn't want to be here they shouldn't give him a new deal, and they can get something back for him. Let's go to that next, um, because I think that that is an interesting part of what happened um, yesterday. So late yesterday, this guy Jeff Howe, uh, Jeff is a reporter for The Athletic covering the Patriots. Jeff tweeted out the following, The Redskins are having trade discussions regarding tackle Trent Williams, according to a source. Unclear what type of compensation they'd require in a trade. There's a feeling around the league the Patriots would be involved due to the depth issues at the position. Um, of course, you know, with the Jason Lockenfora report last week about Trent and not ever wanting to play for the organization anymore, I'm paraphrasing there. Remember, the organization immediately came out, Tony Wiley saying 100% false, a massive denial of the Jason Lockenford Lock tweet. Well, there wasn't a massive denial yesterday unless I missed it. The organization did not respond to Jeff Howe's tweet. Um, so, you know, it's always dangerous to respond to tweets as an organization with press releases denying it because then when future tweets come out and you don't deny it, the the presumption is that, whoa, well, they must be true. This must be true. I, I don't know if it's true or not. It would make sense to me if the Redskins are trying to move on from him if they've gotten a sense truly that Trent does not want to be here. This situation has deteriorated, de- deteriorated quickly. I mean, we've gone at least publicly from zero to 75 on this. You know, three months ago, Trent Williams was one of the good things about next season. Even though I actually remember suggested that they should reboot this thing and consider trading Trent Williams and Ryan Kerrigan, two players they could get a lot of value back for. But anyway, um, do I believe that they uh, are, are having trade discussions I, I, I believe they should be having trade discussions. I don't know if this report is true. I don't have any reason to think that it wouldn't be true. Um, I think that Bruce Allen, and remember, when it comes to trades, and this is really important it, you know, for, for everybody to understand, Bruce Allen pretty much does trades unilaterally. I, I'm sure he gets the sign-off from Dan, but he does trades unilaterally. So... If the Redskins are having trade discussions, they're Bruce Allen initiated. Or perhaps they are other team. There are other teams that are initiating these conversations. If I'm Bruce, I'm taking every single call. What do you have to lose? Why wouldn't you take a call and be open to listening to offers on this thing? I disagree with those of you. And, and yesterday, you know, on Twitter, um, a lot of you said the Redskins have no leverage. I, I, I disagree with that uh, premise entirely. Um, I, I think the Redskins do have leverage. First of all, they don't have to move him. You know, they don't have to move him now. They don't have to move him at the end of training camp. They don't have to move him early in the season. They cert- they could wait until the trade deadline 
and move him, even if he hasn't played for them in the first part, and Trent sitting out, you know, losing all that money. They don't have to move him, all right? It's also likely to me, my guess is that more than one or two teams would be very interested in Trent Williams. And once you have multiple teams that are interested, legitimately interested, you've got some leverage. I think the Redskins could get a first-rounder for Trent. Certainly a, a potential late first-rounder, like from the Patriots, where typically they are drafting at the end of the first round. I think they could get a late first-rounder plus. The Patriots have picks. A lot of the multiple-round picks that they have are later in the 2020 draft. They also have an excess of defensive backs, and the Redskins could use defensive backs. Um, They also drafted a left tackle in the first round last year, uh, or two years ago. I'd be listening to everybody if I'm Bruce Allen. To me, it would be insane not to listen and not to consider this as a possibility unless they are making progress with Trent right now as we speak to get him back into camp. I just hope that they don't get him back into camp with a new deal. I think that would be an organizational mistake. That would be my view on that. Now, if you're talking about guaranteeing more of the 2020 money, you know, than is guaranteed currently, that's different. What I'm against is a multi-year massive contract extension. If you're talking about, hey, Trent, we're going to give you another, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14 million in guaranteed money in 2020, because I think currently there's only 2 million truly guaranteed for 2020, that's different than Trent Williams, you know, just got extended on a three-year uh, you know, ridiculous $60, 75000000 million deal or $68 million deal, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that. That would not be what I, I think would make sense. Um, it would be more than three years at $68 million. I, I get I get that if you're doing the math real quickly. Um, but I think the Redskins do have more leverage than some of you think that they have. I do. And I would be surprised... Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. I would be disappointed if the Redskins aren't considering all of their options, one of which would be trading him. I also, by the way, do not believe, somebody mentioned this to me yesterday, that they're losing leverage by the day. I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Um, they don't have to do this right now. They can wait for a deal that they can't turn down. They can wait for a primo deal. Somebody's going to get hurt in this preseason. Somebody's going to get hurt early in the regular season on a team that believes they've got a chance to contend for a title or contend for deep in the playoffs. It happens every single year. It's a lock that a decent team that thinks it can contend this year will lose a key offensive lineman. At least that's going to happen to at least one team, and that team will be desperate. And Trent Williams will be sitting there, either on the sidelines, not collecting uh, contractual money, not playing for the Skins, or perhaps even playing for them. They could, If he comes back, they could still trade him. I would wait for the right deal. Um, and, you know, obviously when you get closer to that trade deadline, then you've got a situation where, you know, you probably want to make that deal, if, especially if he hasn't come in and played for you. Um, anyway, uh, I think that's it on the Trent Williams situation. Um, 
what else was there? Read the Jerry Brewer, Brewer column. That was really well done. There's a lot of information in there. I, the Jerron Christian thing, get over yourself, Trent, if you were legitimately upset about that. That should not upset anybody. First of all, the kid at this point can't play. All right. Secondly, that was a pick for depth in the future. No one was telling Trent Williams, oh, we just drafted your replacement in, in the third round. I'm sure there was hope that this kid could eventually one day in his fifth season replace Trent Williams when Trent Williams is 34 or 35 years old. Uh, but I don't, I can't imagine a player of Trent Williams caliber, uh, why he would get upset about something like that, unless it just sort of goes hand in hand with the overall distrust of the organization. And as we pointed out, the USA Today's poll from a year ago or just over a year ago, Bruce Allen is the least trusted executive in the entire NFL with agents. And agents, obviously, by extension, their players, uh, play, their particular players would feel uh, a similar way. Um, there was that other story that came out yesterday about the 40 employees that have left the organization since Brian LaFamina left. Some were going to leave anyway. Um, that that really got you know trumped by all of the Trent Williams stuff yesterday. Um, that story was out there a while ago. I think Chris Russell reported that uh, a while ago about the 40 employees and the mass exodus from the organization. I've told all of you this before. It's not a place that apparently is awesome to work at. It just isn't. On the football side, on every side. Um, this is what we've heard for a long time now. By the way, Gruden spoke today. Um, not a lot there, right, on Trent Williams, you mentioned to me. But he singled out Samaje Pirine again. He loves what Pirine did in OTAs in minicamp and really likes what Pirine is doing in training camp. I've said this about Samaje Pirine in the past. I think he's got really good potential. I think Samaje Pirine could be a lead back for a team. They do have Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis, though, and Chris Thompson. So how do you fit him in? I know Jay Gruden has this habit of mentioning almost every single player, especially running backs, but almost every single player on his depth chart. Um, he just does that. But I, the Samaje Pirine thing um, in particular, and the Sean Dion Hamilton thing back in OTAs and minicamp, he really singled those two out in a way that you know seemed totally genuine. It doesn't surprise me that that Samaje P. Ryan is showing well. Of course, we know he had issues with holding onto the ball, but I think he's got great vision and great feet and great power. I think we've seen that at times when he's gotten the opportunity uh, before. There were some injury, there were minor injuries yesterday uh, in camp, including when I saw this pop up, it scared the hell out of me that Montez Sweat was basically a uh, walk to the training room, but apparently it was cramps. Um, and, uh, and, and perhaps he was kicked, um, in the calf, but, uh, Gruden said he'll be okay. Um, all right, quick word about window nation, and then we'll bring Tommy in here. Uh, the intense summer heat's back. Uh, it causes your old leaky windows to produce unnecessary high energy bills, allowing damaging UV rays to fade your valuables and make your windows even less effective. Well, listen up. Window Nation right now has one of the better deals they've ever had going, and they want you to take advantage of downtime for them. They've got extra capacity. They want to keep their factory busy, keep their installers working, and they want you to be one of the 
tens of thousands of satisfied customers, which by the way includes me, um, to use Window Nation. So right now, for the first time ever, in addition to getting one window free for every window you buy, which is a typical offer from Window Nation with no minimum or maximum purchase required on all style windows, right now, no down payment, no payment of any kind, and no interest for 24 months. Buy now, start saving now, and literally pay nothing for two full years. Trust the window company I trust and visit windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION to get one free window for every window you buy, plus no down payment, no payments of any kind, and no interest for 24 months. I love Window Nation. I love Harley and Aaron and Eric and all of them. They've been so supportive of this podcast from the jump, um, and I can't begin to thank them enough. Uh, This sale, by the way, this opportunity will end uh, not today, as previously mentioned, but at the end of this week. All right, let's bring in Tommy um, from the Jersey Shore. Uh, And I do want to get Tommy's thoughts on the Nats deals. Uh, Yesterday, the three relievers that they added. Um, Did you go dancing last night? What have you been doing since we talked to you on Tuesday? Uh, No dancing. Pretty calm night with the family dinner in one of the condos. Very low-key, more or less. How was boardwalk night? Boardwalk night was fun. You know, I, I, I don't go on the rides like I used to. You know, there <laughs> used to be a not. ride. There used to be a ride here on the boardwalk. And I don't know if you remember if they had it everywhere. But it's just years ago. I'm sure it was dangerous and killed people. Uh, it was a ride where you, it was a round circle that went really fast. In, you got inside this building and went round and round and round. And then the floor would drop out. Oh, yeah. And the, cent- the centrifugal force would keep you up against the wall. Right. You know? Yeah. I used to love that ride. So, I don't have that anymore because I'm sure people got hurt on it. So, no, I, I, I don't think that's true. I think the Rehoboth Boardwalk had that ride um, when the kids were younger, which now is much further back than it seems it should be. But, you know, Tommy, so I was a big roller coaster kid. I loved roller coasters, but I could not do the rides that went round and round and round. I got sick. On, and on I the, was the opposite. You, I couldn't do up and down, but I could do round and round all day. See, I couldn't do the round and round. I would get violently sick. By the way, you know what that's that, that's caused? Uh, Riggins told me this a while back. I think it was Riggo who well, told me this. Doc, doc, Dr. Riggins, he would know. <laughs> Apparently, it's because I have very good peripheral vision, um, and people with very good peripheral vision get nauseous when they round and round rides or reading in a car. Um, I can't read in a car. I get I get really sick and very quickly. I can't read on a plane when the plane is on the ground, and my peripheral picks up moving things. I can read in the air, but I got to wait until the plane gets off the ground to actually read. Anyway, n- nothing important there. I loved you're, you're I loved such, roller coasters. You're, you're such a complicated guy. <laughs> God almighty. So many rules for existence. You know, I think my simplicity is what makes me so complex. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody has said that before, perhaps you about yourself. But I loved roller coasters as a kid. I'll never forget when King's Dominion opened up and they had um, 
they had the uh, oh god, I can't even remember the name of the the, the one long roller coaster that w- that that was super fast, and then the one that did the loop, King Cobra. The King Cobra was the one that did the backwards loop. Um, but uh, god, the other one I can't remember. Somebody will tweet it to me. But I I loved roller coasters and and grew up. You know, um, going down to the, the Delaware, you know, beaches and the the Ocean City Boardwalk had a a really good roller coaster way back in the day. Uh, the Rehoboth Boardwalk never had a good roller coaster, if my memory serves me correctly. But anyway, uh, loved roller coasters, hated the rides that went round and round. Uh, hated those. Um, did you did you walk around the boardwalk eating funnel cake? No, no. I but this is the only time of year, one night a year. I'll have an ice cream cone. That's the only only night. night. Again, you know, your simplicity is what makes you so complex. (laughs) Because the the, the shocking thing to me many years ago, as you and I got to know each other very well, is that you don't eat sweets. You don't like them, and you don't eat them. Um, No. So what kind of ice cream cone did you have? Just vanilla ice cream from from Of course it was vanilla. You know? Yeah. Of course, yeah. Of course it was vanilla. yeah, Mr. So, Mr. But, Cheese uh, sandwich, peanut butter sandwich, I, and vanilla I like, ice cream. I like the boardwalk. I like sitting on the boardwalk and people watching. I think it's cool. I mean, the boardwalk at Wildwood is huge. It's like it's it's three or four miles long. I mean, it's much bigger than anything in Ocean City or Rehoboth, and uh, and it's all Philly and South Jersey. Yeah. Course. So there's a lot of characters. Yeah, no, no, all, all the Jersey beaches. All my my in-laws are, and I'm heading up there this weekend. Uh, in fact, but um, uh, I, I, you know what I? So obviously, when I was younger, I loved the boardwalk. Um, but I love the boardwalk early in the morning. I love you know either walking the dog or you know just going for you know a long walk on an empty boardwalk early in the morning with with a cup of well, coffee. How early? That's all. Well, you know, I get up early. So when I'm down yeah. at the beach, if I'm in Bethany, I'll get up, you know, at five thirty, five forty-five, six a.m., something like that, and I'll, I'll, I'll get some coffee and I'll just walk down the, you know, I'll, I'll walk to the boardwalk and walk up and down the boardwalk early in the morning and watch the sunrise. You know, I, well, I, I've gone, I've gone for walks in the morning, but not that early. And the boardwalk here in the morning, like after nine o'clock, is like a demolition derby of bikers. And and sure. walkers. I sure. mean, yeah. it's it's you got to have your head on a swivel <laughs> yeah, walking on the true. boardwalk in the morning. That's true. All right, um, let's get to some sports because uh, I'm sure you don't want to talk about the Democratic debates last night. Did you watch them? I told you, it's a waste of time. Yeah, it's a waste of time. All right. Um, so the Nats add three relievers uh, yesterday, um, including Hunter Strickland, which was uh, certainly an interesting um, ad for the Nats. Um, given the the background that the team has and Bryce Harper had with Hunter Strickland, what did they do yesterday? Did they get better yesterday? It, you know, I, I looked at the numbers of all these pitchers and I listened to a lot of people. The the the, the first guy that they added uh, in order was this guy Daniel Hudson. Apparently, he's got a great sinker and he's a ground ball inducer, and that's something the Nats were looking for out of the bullpen. Um, this Ro- Ronis Elias uh, guy from Toronto. And Hunter Strickland from Seattle, who, by the way, has, I think, this year like an 8 ERA or something like that. Did they get better yesterday? Well, yeah, they got better. But you got to remember this. 
they got better when they brought, when they signed Fernando Rodney, and he's 42 years old. So it wasn't hard to get better. Okay, so yes, they got better. As Mike Rizzo said, and I've got this quote: "I think we've upgraded our bullpen. We got. I think we have good quality, reliable guys with some moxie and some experience." Now, moxie is the word that really stands out for me here. This is like describing a blind date as someone with a great personality. They have a lot of moxie. You know, I don't want relievers with moxie. I want relievers who can throw 99, 100 miles an hour and get guys out. That's what I want. So I didn't read that quote, but let me just tell you what my first reaction to this is. You know I like Rizzo. Like, I think he is... I think he's competitive. I think he's tough, hard-nosed. I, I, there's just something about Mike Rizzo from the jump I've always liked. I think when he's saying moxie, I could be wrong. Maybe it's you know clever, you know not overpowering, but they do it with guile. They do it with the experience and smarts. But I think part of that is, and I don't know that much about the first two guys, but Hunter Strickland has an attitude. You know, he, he, he pitches with an edge, with a Mike Rizzo kind of edge. Maybe that's what he was referring to. Whatever he was referring to, he wasn't talking about their live arm. <laughs> None of them. He wasn't talking about a guy that throws 100. Yeah. He wasn't talking about a guy with a 118 ERA like Sean like, uh, Green, the, the uh, guy Atlanta got right. from Detroit who the Nationals wanted. But, uh, but they want to keep him. It. Yeah, and you know something? I don't think I don't think I would have I would have tossed that out. I think I would have considered that. Here's why. And even if it's a rental, I don't particularly care. Uh, for one thing, what are you saving Carter Keyboom for? To watch him play for six years and watch, and then watch him leave? I mean, because that's what the Nationals do. Well, uh, all these top it depends prospects. on what those six years are. Yeah, I know that. But, but okay, Trey Turner, back in 2016, Araldis Chapman was on the trading block from the Yankees. He was a rental. Right. You only had him for half a year. And the Cubs gave up a huge amount of, of prospects right. to, get, to get Chapman for a one-year rental. And they won the World Series. Okay. Yeah, they won the World Series that year. So, and 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 Trey Turner was a name that had been coming up in trade talks last that year for Washington. They would never consider Trey Turner, and that seems ridiculous now because he's one of their stars. But in two years from now, he'll be a free agent and he'll be gone. And what do you have to show for Trey Turner so far? Well, I mean, sometimes what you're saying is sometimes you just have to go for it. I mean, it's what Toronto yes. did in the NBA last year. They went for it. You know, they yes. they knew it was going to be one shot at it and they and by the way, he delivered. Kawhi Leonard did. But um would okay, so would Shane Green though have been Araldus Chapman? I don't think so. Chapman to me seems like a, a different caliber in terms of his impact on a game. I'm not saying I would have made the deal, but I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. I would need to know more about what was required, what we were getting, uh, what the Nationals were getting, and stuff like that. But the notion of trading Carter Keyboom for a guy who I think would have been the difference maker when Max Scherzer has to come out in the seventh or eighth inning and, 
and, and you've got that ninth inning of a one-run game in postseason baseball, to me it's worth it. To me it's worth it then. I mean, you know, right now, look, they still have a bullpen that, that is, is operating on hope and prayers, yeah. even with these three guys. Right. And then, and I think Rizzo did the best he could because, you know, because of the limitations that the learners put on him, that they didn't want to go over the, the, the salary threshold. And we've heard from the apologists for the learners, oh, what a, you know, third year over, you got to pay such a ridiculous amount of money penalty and you get penalized left and right. No, I don't care. I mean, if you think you're – are you trying to win the World Series or not? The learners claim they're trying to win the World Series. And if you're trying to win the World Series, then, then the penalties, compared to winning the World Series and the revenue you get from that, are nothing. Zero. Aaron, did they get better in your view? I mean, they got moderately better in that they could cast off the worst of the bullpen, but not way better and certainly not – enough to really challenge the Braves. Atlanta got better. Atlanta's increase. uh, Much better. Atlanta increased the probability of being the better team down the stretch yesterday before the trade deadline. That's a fair statement, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that's the team they got to catch or else it's, you know, they're, you know, they're fighting with the dogs for a wild card spot. God, this is going to be fun to watch. You know, last night with, um, I think it was uh, with the Cubs winning and with the Brewers winning base, or, or no, with the with the Cubs. I think the Nats are the second wild card as of this morning. I think either the Cubs or the Cardinals are are the uh, are the first wild card. But it is going to be quite the wild card race. Um, I mean, you got a you got a great race for the for the Central. Uh, division uh, pennant to, to begin with, but the Dodgers have wrapped up the West, and maybe the Braves will pull away here. Who knows? The Nats are still in it, even though they, yes. they missed out, Tommy, on a golden opportunity yesterday. They really had a chance to win that game. There was a terrible decision by Henley at third base to send Hendrick um, uh, to send Howie Kendrick home uh, in the sixth inning. But you know. It's uh, it's going to be a wild race to, to to that wild card. I mean, you got I think it's like five, six teams that are legitimately you know in the hunt for that, which is what baseball wanted when they went to that additional wild card. Yeah, and look, I think that's great, but right now, all that could change depending on Max Scherzer's health. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's a big one. All right. Um, did, did you see the Houston Astros get Zach Greinke? The Houston Astros have Justin Verlander. Garrett Cole and Zach Greinke. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean that. It's a good thing they're in the American League. <laughs> I mean, do we know, Aaron? Did the Nats actually make a run at a starting pitcher yesterday? Because uh, one of the things I thought we would learn if they did sign a starting pitcher um, or trade for a starting pitcher is that would have been an indication that they're more concerned about Scherzer um, than than most think, but. They didn't. Maybe they tried. I don't know if they tried or not, Tommy. I mean, they, they need Max Scherzer, obviously, to, you yeah. know. I don't know. Look, if he didn't pitch, Strasburg's pitching so well. Corbin's pitching so well. You know, Sanchez has had his moments. They could certainly continue to contend for a wild card spot without him for a while. But they have no I chance. I don't think they can. Yeah. No, they, they can't. They, they can't. They can't do that. They're down. I mean, they're giving away uh, the game every fifth starter as it is. You know, they can't afford. Well, Fetty can't certainly afford. did, yeah. Yeah, they, they can't afford to have another start. They have nobody to bring up from AAA. They have nothing available right now in their starting position. 
uh, starting pitcher spot. So, no, they can't. Aff- they, I don't think they'll compete for a wild card without Max Scherzer. All right, let's switch the subject um, to the Redskins. And I want to just update you. I know you've been following the story in the various reports. I I had a bunch of information that I learned um, sort of between the end of the show yesterday and early this morning, and I'll just update you. A lot of this now has already been out there. Um, but it is, uh, the, the net of it is, it's it's really much more about the medical than the money. And the bottom line, Tommy, is that um, from Trent's perspective, you know, he had this cyst on his head for, you know, going back at least two years and the Redskins had asked him to get it looked at, wanted to take a look at it, but the, the communication of it was, this is a, you know, this isn't anything you should be concerned about. It's just a cyst. And by the time they got around to, to look at it, it was a legitimate scare for him. The doctor said it was a tumor, that it could be malignant. Um, and you know, he's, he's 31 years old, 30 years old at the time with young kids. And this was a, a major life scare for him. And he blames the Redskins for not, you know, being more urgent with this, you know, going back a couple of years and insisting that, you know, this thing be looked at and removed and and checked. Um, that's really the net of it. He wants out too. uh, at the same time, you know, it's funny because every, the, the couple of people that I talked to, I, who would be very familiar with the Redskins medical and training said they don't think that there's an issue with the medical, the doctors or the trainers. In fact, I think the training staff won some sort of an award, an NFL award at the end of this season. But they also said that the way Trent had described this situation to them, they, they felt that he was justified in the way he feels like he, he really feels like they messed up by not treating this with more urgency going back a couple of years. Um, so that, that you know, that's sort of where it is, I think, right now. Now, is he using this potentially to try to get out of here and get a new deal with a new team? Perhaps. Um, but then you had the, you know, the report uh, yesterday as well from the guy from The Athletic, uh, Jeff Howe, that the Redskins are having trade discussions regarding Trent Williams and perhaps the Patriots are one of the teams uh, that are interested. Um, so anyway, your thoughts on all of this? Well, it turns out that everybody who uh, who ripped Jason Lockensfor when he first broke this story, turns out he was right, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, Redskins fans have this obsession about Jason They Lock and really Ford. do. They really they do. They really do. And, I know. and it's just that he was the first guy at the post to actually report the truth about this team in a long time. Look, That's he hasn't why... been right, Tommy. He hasn't been right about everything over the years when it no, comes to the Redskins. Looking. And he I... does and he doesn't like the Redskins. I'll agree with all that, but I I've always thought and I thought at the time when Jason was their beat reporter, I loved the way he wrote. I loved his fearlessness and I think you're right about that. I think he was one of the first to recognize this place is dysfunctional. Yeah. And look at again, like I point out he is the top NFL reporter and an NFL partner in CBS. Yep. You really think they're going to let him keep doing business recklessly if, if he's the top guy at CBS uh, football? I don't think so. So that, that gets added away. Uh, so when, when we talk about the medical, 
We're talking about the training staff or are we talking about doctors? You know, that's a really good question because that's something that I probably did a poor job in my conversations with the people that I had conversations with over the last, you know, 15, 16 hours of, is it the medical or the trainers? Um, It's the team. I mean, it's the team, whether it's the trainers or the doctors, Trent Williams feels like this cyst, which the team knew he had on his head. Um, that, that it should have been treated with much more urgency a lot sooner rather than communicated to him as don't need to be concerned at all, it's a cyst. But apparently the team did say you should, you know, you should have it looked at, but it wasn't, it, what, it, they didn't insist on it. Uh, and when it was looked at, it was not a cyst. It was a tumor, and initially there was serious concern that it was malignant. Well... Maybe for any other team, uh, you you could make some kind of veiled defense about this. But with the Redskins, all defenses fall on deaf ears. Even if you think that it wasn't as clear-cut as Trent Wilkins makes it out to be, no one's going to believe you because it's the Redskins. And I mean, this is like having the kid who keeps screwing up. And then the one time he screws up, maybe it wasn't quite his fault, but it doesn't matter. You're a screw-up. You keep screwing up. So, I mean, for the, for the damage this will do to the Redskins around the league, among other players, for a guy with Trent Williams' stature, I would think is significant. I could be wrong, but it's just one more brick in the wall that's being built up between the Redskins and the rest of the NFL as, as an NFL franchise. So, uh, so let's talk okay. about how the team should handle it. I suggested something earlier. I said, you know, if they're confident in their training staff and medical staff, one or the other or both in combination, and they feel it's being trashed here, which, by the way, I agree with you. I think, you know, this kind of thing with a player of Trent Williams's caliber um, that, you know, it's a, rep- it's, it's, a, it's a real mark on the reputation of the Redskins' medical staff, training staff. And I think if the team feels like, look, there could have been some culpability in the communication of this thing with Trent and that there may be some understanding on their part, or maybe there isn't. I, I did, I, it, it was insisted, uh, this one, one particular source insisted that the team had asked him going back two years minimum to get this thing looked at. <clears throat> Even though they they also said it wasn't they, they they weren't concerned, but they said you should have it looked at. But anyway, the Redskins should come out and defend their medical and training staff, and they should give us the details from their perspective. I think they should. And and but not and 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 if they do feel like you know that that it, that Trent's justified somehow, they could certainly soften it by saying, "Look, it was a, it was an unfortunate situation. We're so glad it worked out well. It was a benign thing. Trent's going to be okay. We certainly could have been more insistent and, and more urgent with our communication with him, but we have an outstanding medical group of of doctors and a great training staff, and you know we're, we're confident in them." And, and, our, and our players are as well. I, I, I it, it, it's being trashed right now. I think they should. I think they should say something publicly to to uh, defend it. But you see, their their words mean nothing. Even if they did that, they have no meaning. They have no credibility. I mean, no one would believe them. I mean, I, you know, maybe the Kool Aid drinkers, but I'll bet there's a few less Kool Aid drinkers now than there were before. So uh, I, I just don't think it'll help, Kevin. It, 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 look, it, the cyst 
is Redskins Park. That's the sit. <laughs> and there it is. We finally got to it. <laughs> Took 25 minutes, but we got to it. Um, I know that. And I, and I do understand that a lot of people will, you know, basically roll their eyes to whatever this team says. But, you know, you, I, you made the point, and I agree with it. I think that, you know, this is – they're getting trashed right now, you know, around the league, their medical and training staff, and by extension, the team, per usual – and if they don't feel like they were truly in the wrong or they don't feel like their medical or training staffs are are a problem, I think they should publicly defend it. But maybe they need to get through this situation first, which leads me to the next thing. I want him to trade Trent Williams. I don't want him to pay him. Um, I want him to trade him. And I think they can get a lot for him. And I and by the way, Tommy, there's no urgency with this. They they have they could trade they could wait until the season starts. They just need to wait for a deal that they can't turn down. And more likely than not, unless this season is an aberration, somebody's gonna lose a left tackle or a key offensive lineman on a team that you know, thinks they can contend and that team will get desperate, you know, just like as an example, um, you know, with Bradford a few years ago, uh, when, when, when the Eagles got desperate, you know, it's, it's the, the most desperate deals happen right before the season or early in the season. I think you're right. There's no, there's no, I think they should deal them. I think there's no sense of urgency to deal them until they, they wait for the deal that they want. And again, let me just uh, point out that it really doesn't matter what they do, but that is the be- that I, I agree with you hundred percent. That's the path they should be taking right now. I mean, they, 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 they shouldn't pay him. Heck, they, they might not even pay Brandon Sheriff, let alone Trent Williams. So, uh, well, maybe Brandon you Sheriff know, doesn't funny. want to sign here. Okay. Well, that, that may be, uh, <laughs> what? but, <laughs> Anyway, you know, I lived – remember the Sean Gilbert holdout? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the time sent me up to Aliquippa, PA, uh-huh. to try to find Sean Gilbert and talk to him. I spent three days up there, and he kept moving around. Every time I'd be where he was, he was someplace else, and I never did find him. But some guys will sit out a whole year. We just saw it with Le'Veon Bell. I wouldn't be surprised if Trent Williams would sit out a whole year about this. Yeah, I mean it's could be costly um for him to yeah. do it. By the way, the 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 trade, the the Sam Bradford trade happened on September 3rd, 2016, and the Vikings gave up first and fourth round picks to a team that to, to the Eagles for Bradford because the Vikings were so desperate um for a quarterback that year. Remember the Redskins that year that they got desperate with Jason Taylor because Philip Daniels got hurt. Somebody's oh, yeah. going somebody is going to get desperate in you know training camp or early in September or mid September and they're going to have an opportunity to strike big with a deal for for a player like Trent Williams. This isn't this is a unique player that's available. He will I a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people have been saying, no chance will you get a first. I think they could potentially get a first and more for Trent Williams. Maybe not a, 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 a potential early first, but the Patriots first plus a player and maybe a mid-round pick. Uh, if, 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 they, if they're patient with this, I think that could happen. I think that's possible. 
I, I, I could see that, but I don't think he's ever playing for the Redskins again. I don't either. Did you see that your boy Chris Russell with that 40 employees leaving the organization turned out to be right? Not only that, but according to Jerry Brewer's column in the Washington Post, uh, what really got Trent going was when they drafted what's, yeah, what's the, the kid they drafted. Yeah, I'm, you know Russell had Russell had that too. Oh, I didn't know he had that. Yes, you know, yes, it, he did. I didn't realize that. By the way, to me, if Trent was really upset about that, uh, too bad. I mean, you're an organization you I had know. major offensive line troubles in 2017 with no depth. And you got a guy that eventually is going to start to wind down at left tackle. I didn't have a problem with them drafting John well, I Christian. He, I, I guess he thought they should have been drafting a guard. Yeah, I know. It was more of a need. You know, the funny thing about Russell's report, whenever that was, you know, I, I, Chris and I had actually talked a couple of times during that week. And the other part of that report is how distant some of the football people had become um, with Bruce Allen. And... You know, I, I think Chris was asked to back off this story, and I said, don't back off this story. You're right about the football people and Bruce. I don't know about the 40 employees, but, you know, uh, and you know him. He's like, you know, hemming and hawing, and, and yeah. this is like, you know, this is uh, w- was a rather traumatic event for him, but good for him. I'm glad. I'm glad that he was proven yeah. right on that. Um, Absolutely. You know, the bottom line is is that you know before Lafamina got here, while Lafamina was here, and after Lafamina left, it's never been a great place to work when you talk to the people who work there. Period. I've no. never really talked to anybody who said this is an unbelievable company or organization to work for. Never. This is why. This is why I've always said to the uh, Redskins media horde who sing the praises of Eric Schaefer and, and and others over there who have worked there for what sixteen, seventeen years. Yeah. Anybody who works for Dan Snyder that long has got to be a flawed individual. Really, so, uh, has got to have something going on with them. Well, it's. It, Yes, because the bottom line is, if he were so good, there had to have been at some point during these years a better opportunity for him in a better organization. Now, you know, it's always possible that he just loves the area and his family wants to be here and he's got kids in schools and doesn't want to move and he's in a familiar, comfortable position with the owner and the team president. And, you know, Eric's done a decent job managing the cap over the years. He has. Um, But I tend to agree with you. Like, my default would be if you've worked in this organization for 16 years – I then you you can't be that great and that valuable because somebody would have come along and given you a much better opportunity. Look, I don't know. I don't know what your personal life could be if you worked for Dan Snyder for sixteen years. To be honest with you, I I wouldn't want to live with you. <laughs> well, technically. We both worked for him for several years. You know, I did for, let me think about this, 2006 to 2000. Technically, 12 to 13 years I worked for a Dan Snyder company. So there, until this incredible podcast opportunity came around. (laughs) And then I was out. Um, And let me always point out that I have never, ever, met Dan Snyder. No, not we, once. Well, yes, you did. No. At Super Bowls. No, that 
No, I never met. Were you not there when he came by? Like, I was there. Oh, you weren't at that Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been at Super Bowls I've been at, but I've never met him. Um, look, I mean, just to be fair, you and I really did work for a Dan Snyder organization, me longer than you did, and I've said this uh, so many times over the years. Not once. Well, that's not true. One time, but. never really other than one small incident with Joe Jacoby. And I've mentioned this on the air before that, and it wasn't even Snyder who called, it was actually Gibbs who called because Jake during a post game show after that Packer game that Sean Taylor had all those interceptions in and Santana Moss fumbled and Clinton Portis apparently and, and, and and Moss were drinking before the game. We found out in recent years. Anyway, after that game, Joe Jacoby at the very end of the post game show said, as long as Dan Snyder owns his team, we're never going to win. And and Gibbs <laughs> called up and 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 made Jake uh, call him and, and apologize. But anyway, really, working for that station, did we ever hear from anybody about anything that we said? You know, that while I was working there, well, no, we didn't. While I was working there was when I came up with the phrase, the aura of self-destruction. Right. Did anybody That's tell you that, that you couldn't say that? No. Did anybody tell you no. you couldn't be critical of the team? Never. No. And, Never. And to my the knowledge... Kevin, they didn't know we existed. To my knowledge, he never set foot into the radio station one time. To my knowledge. They, yeah, they didn't know we existed until the man cave came well, along. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, then all of a sudden they woke up and decided, "Oh my God, yeah. we own a radio I don't, station. I don't, Let's see if we can screw that up too." I will, I will agree with you that more likely than not, Dan really didn't pay attention to the radio station, but the organization paid attention to the radio yeah, station. Yeah, they did. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. What else? Anything? That's it, boss. I'll see you next week. I'll be in there on Tuesday. All right. right? Uh, yeah, be in here on Tuesday. See you then. Have a good rest of the weekend. All right. Take All care. Right. All right. There's Tommy uh, from the Jersey Shore for his last vacation, I believe, of the summer. I'm going to be taking um, some time tomorrow, so we will not be doing a podcast tomorrow. And just a reminder, um, I start back on 980 on Monday, 7 a.m., 7 to 10 a.m., Mondays through Fridays, back on 980. We'll continue to do the podcast. The podcast will do sort of, you know, a couple of days, you know, three minimum a week until Labor Day weekend. And then once uh, we get past Labor Day, we'll be, be back into a normal routine of Monday through Friday with the podcast. I'm thinking about some new things, too, with the podcast that I'll be able to tell you about uh, in more detail later on this month. By the way, uh, we talked about this the other day, Aaron, that the, the college football polls would be coming out shortly. I thought next week. Well, the coaches poll is out today. Clemson's one, Bama's two, Georgia's three, Oklahoma's four, Ohio State's five. Boy, uh, that seems familiar. Weird, right? Um, LSU is six, Michigan seven, Florida, I like them. I liked them last year. God, they should be good defensively. They just have to get better play from their quarterback. Um, Florida's eight, Notre Dame's nine, and Texas is ten. And by the way, I think LSU and Texas play in Austin yes. in week two. Isn't that a week two game? Is it week two or is it week one? Depends. I think it's I, – I thought it was the second week of the season. That's one of those big early yes, season games. it's definitely a big early season game. game. I, I don't remember exactly which week it is. Uh, week two – 
Hold on here. Now, are you considering August 31st, first week one or week two? Uh, oh, that's right, because we've got the August 24th games, and then we go into the pre-Labor Day, or the Labor Day weekend yes. games that start Thursday night. Yes. Um, yeah, I guess technically that's week two. So I, I was talking about week three. I thought it was... Oh. I, I, was, I, the, I consider what you what you said originally that is week two that we're calling at least a lot of people are calling that first set of games on the twenty fourth week zero September seventh is yeah. Texas LSU so yeah. that that was my week two yeah. that's what I meant by week two but it's I te- agree I guess technically it's it's week three um, that's that's a huge game uh, where else like local teams is okay Syracuse is twenty two Maryland's got Syracuse on the schedule in week two right isn't that a week two game yes. Um, and we both thought that there was a chance Syracuse could be ranked, and they are at 22nd in the coaches' poll. Uh, Virginia Tech, not on this list. There are others receiving votes. Um, yeah, no no locals at all. No UVA, no Virginia Tech. I have no idea what Virginia is supposed to be uh, anyway. The Big Ten. Virginia did get 30 votes. They did? Yes. Um, Ohio State you know, at 5, Michigan at 7, Penn State at 14, Wisconsin at 17, Iowa 19, Michigan State 20, and Northwestern 25. What is that? Is that eight teams from the Big Ten ranked? Seven or eight, whatever it is, yeah. uh, in the preseason top 25. Cannot wait for college football. I There's something about those first few weekends of college football that are great. First of all, the first real football game you see of the year is always a college football game. And this year, it's going to be Miami and Florida on August 24th, a game that actually counts. You know, uh, Miami and Florida play in Orlando on Saturday night, August 24th, um, to kick off uh, the season on ESPN. Florida, by the way, a seven-point favorite uh, right now over the Canes. Um, And then, you know, you get the whole Labor Day week one of, of, you know, the the full slate of games, uh, which is always fun. And then... The following week brings the NFL season opener on Thursday night and the whole week one of the NFL season. Tonight, you do get football on TV for the first time, so we are now into that run from now until February where football is on television every single week. Um, I'll probably tune in to tonight for a little bit just to see football on TV, but I, I, I've said this for many years now. I, the preseason, pre, the NFL preseason to me is just the worst product. It's painful. It's boring. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll be here talking about the Redskins and the games they play and who looked good and who doesn't, but I just, over the years, I've come to this conclusion that very little translates like, it's just not what the real product is, anywhere near it. And people you see perform very well sometimes don't even see the field in the opener. And then people you didn't see at all during the preseason end up getting significant touches in the opener. Um, but a week from tonight, the Redskins will open up their preseason in Cleveland against really one of the teams with you know, uh, high anticipation, lots of expectations against the Cleveland Browns. It'll be fun to watch that team this year, and that division in particular is going to be a very interesting division. I've mentioned this already. I think Pittsburgh's got a chance to be better than people think, um, and I think the Ravens might take a step back. Last year, the Ravens and the Giants were my two surprise teams. The Ravens proved out to be right. The Giants not even close. This year, I've mentioned multiple times Denver and Jacksonville. 
But, you know, to the extent that people will think that Pittsburgh might be a second place team in the AFC North behind somebody like Cleveland, I like Pittsburgh right now to win the AFC North. I think without Brown um, and Bell and all of those disruptions, I still think that could be a very good football team. I did read recently that a lot of the, some of the ownership, the minority ownership in Pittsburgh did not want Mike Tomlin back. Didn't want uh, Tomlin back as head coach. I mean, he's been there forever. Big Tony, who is a good friend and a longtime listener of radio and the podcast, I talk to him all the time. He's a huge Steelers fan. He can't stand Tomlin. He thinks Tomlin is awful. Uh, I think the Steelers are going to have a good season this year. All right. Um, I think that's it. I don't, did we miss anything today? I don't think I so. I don't think so. All right. Uh, listen to us on iTunes um, and rate us and review us and subscribe. All right. Rate us, review us helps. If you haven't done that, subscribe. It just gets the podcast sent to you automatically. doesn't cost you anything. doesn't take up too much space. Um, do that as well. Uh, if you can, we're also available on the website, uh, thekevinsheehanshow.com. Uh, off tomorrow, um, if something major happens, we'll figure out a way to get uh, at least a short show out there. Um, but more likely than not, we're off tomorrow and back on Monday. Enjoy the rest of the day and the rest of the weekend.